You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much. Do take your seats. Thank you. And a very, very warm extended welcome from me to you and those friends that are joining us online today. uh, A special welcome to you also. And uh, just absolutely delighted to be with you. If you're new or newish among us, uh, a special warm welcome to you. And uh, we just hope you're able to feel at home here uh, at CLM. Uh, Someone put in the chat, uh, where are you? Uh, Well, we we are in Coventry, right in the center of England. And uh, wherever you're joining uh, around the world, then uh, a big welcome to you, whether right now as we're streaming or later on some form of of catch-up. Um, Do pray uh, ahead of our second service that we have a group of about 20 young men that were part of a football team that played against CLM's football team yesterday, and they're going to be in our second service. I understand most of them wouldn't normally find themselves in church on a Sunday morning, and so uh, we're privileged to be uh, hosting them. And uh, yeah, I do pray for them that they just have a great experience in church, and whether they would know it, sense something of the presence of God. Uh, I want to say a big thank you as well to all of you that prayed uh, this last week while we've been away. Some of us have been away at Learning Community, which is a gathering of uh, a number of churches from around the UK and some from mainland Europe getting our heads together. Uh, This week, we were looking at next-gen ministries and kids, youth, students, young adults. Great to have uh, some team uh, who head up those ministries away with Esther and myself. And uh, what an inspiring and provocative and enlightening time that was. And so thank you for praying. I could also happily report this last week that Mark and Simone Beswick got married. And uh, I believe we have a, There they are. There they are, the happy couple. And uh, Mark did well, hey? So... Um, <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, and they're just a few days away, and then they'll be uh, with us here at CLM. That's uh, Mark and Simone uh, on Thursday, uh, an intimate, predominantly family wedding. Esther and myself were really honored to be a part of that, and uh, it was a very beautiful time. Well, as you've heard already, uh, vision booklets are out. I know many of you have got them already. Some got them here in the service. Uh, I was uh, surprised this week in, uh, when they came from the printers, handing one to Esther, and then also to my daughter, that both of them instinctively did something I would never do, and they held it up to their nose and went, smells good. And um, now, I, I didn't know that you're supposed to do that, but uh, I want to say, I think they look great. I think they feel great. More importantly, they are a celebration of what God is doing in us and through us as a house. But if that's not enough, they also smell good. So uh, if you are a sniffer, then uh, you can enjoy the smell of these, uh, these booklets. And um, as uh, Jonathan's already said, if you'd like a hard copy, you're joining us online. We'd love to post one out to you, just um, just uh, go to forward slash vision 2021, as you've already heard. Well, uh, last week I was, uh, I was told off, I was chastised, and uh, someone, a faithful member of this church, been in the church about 35 years, came up to me and he said, I want to tell you off. 
and uh, I didn't know what I'd done wrong this time. Um, but he said, I want to tell you off because a couple of weeks ago, you just rattled off like a list all the different things were involved with missionally, the steps forward we've been able to take because of last year's vision offering. And he said, I was so excited. He said, I wanted to stand up and cheer and shout and clap. And you just read it like a list. He said, Pastor Martin, we've got to celebrate. And uh, I do rejoice in what God is doing in and through us. And want to say a huge thank you to all of you that have been on this incredible journey. And um, yeah, unashamedly, if you're part of the house, you're visiting, then um, this isn't really for you. But if you're part of CLM, what God is doing here, we, we are inviting you over the next two weeks just to, you know, make yourself a cup of tea, sit down, read through this little booklet. It'll probably only take you five or ten minutes. And, um, and also importantly, to engage in the process that we've been in. It will now be the sixth time we've done this. Many of you have been on the journey, but you might be new and joining us. I've just come in before God with an open heart and saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? What do you want me to do? Um, how can I respond? And having the openness of heart to listen and then the courage to respond and obey. And it's just such an amazing process of resurrender and obedience. It does something powerful in us, which is why if you're, if, if most of our children are out, but for parents of children, our, our little ones, it's such an important process. We encourage our kids to be on the journey. Young people, if you're students, just to be in the process of saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? And uh, allowing him to put a miracle through our hands. Uh, well, I want to speak today about moving from faith to faith. Can we say from faith to faith? From faith to faith, I'd love you to turn with me to Luke chapter 9. The Bible speaks in incredible terms about the life that God has for those who are willing to fully surrender and commit to him. Uh, the Bible tells us that we will go from strength to strength, Psalm 84, that we're being transformed from glory to glory, 2 Corinthians 3, that from his fullness we've received grace upon grace. And in Romans chapter 1, we're told the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that as God's people that he calls righteous, we will live by faith. And uh, I believe that God not only wants us to go from strength to strength, and glory to glory and grace to grace, but also from faith to faith. Uh, we are about to break in to the Bible at Luke 9. Let me just give us a little bit of context. Jesus, obviously, if you know your Bibles, will know that by chapter 9 of Luke's Gospel, Jesus has launched into an incredible teaching ministry, has been working miracles, casting out demons, healing the sick. He's even raised a widow's son as she's about to bury him. And then we get to chapter 8, the preceding chapter, and this is where Jesus uh, sets legion free and cast out a number of demons from this man who was possessed, the Bible tells us. And they go into a herd of pigs, 2,000 in number. But it says this man was seated and in his right mind, that Jesus sets him free. And then Jesus uh, heads to another place and uh, he gets accosted uh, by Jairus, the synagogue ruler, whose daughter uh, is sick. And in fact, along 
the journey before he even gets there, they are informed that she's died. On the way, a woman who's had a, uh, an issue of bleeding for 12 years reaches out, touches the hem of his garment, is instantly healed, and then Jesus proceeds to go to where the dead girl is, and he raises her up. And then we get to chapter 9, but something really significant is about to happen because Jesus is about to release the 12 disciples to function in some of the things that up to that point he alone has been doing. This is what it says in Luke 9, breaking in at verse 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were ill. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and they went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. We'll just skip three verses, which are a bit of a tangent about Herod, and pick up the story from verse 10. It says, When the disciples returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. He took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to the disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50. The disciples did so and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks. He broke them. He gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the sending out of the 12 disciples and the feeding of the 5,000 are normally considered as different and separate stories. But what we see here is actually is an immediate continuation. Jesus sends out the 12 on this village mission. It says they went from village to village. And they come back and they report what has happened. It said they heal people everywhere. They come and say to Jesus, it worked. This is how God used us. And then immediately he takes them on retreat, only they get busted. The crowds find out where they are. 5,000, it says 5,000 men turn up. Some theologians would suggest there might be a crowd of 20,000 people if you include women and children that are there. We know there's at least 5,000 men there. And, um, uh, and it really is one a continuous account. And then they have this issue because the 5,000 people need feeding. Well, friends, I've been a follower of Jesus for over 30 years now. And uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, as many of you know, but our family was ambushed by Jesus when I was 17 years of age, and uh, we all came to faith. We all surrendered to his glorious love and the message of the cross, 
uh, one by one, we went down. My mum, then my sister, then me, then my dad was the last to come through to faith. And I, I received the message of the cross. I understood that I was a sinner in need of a saviour. I responded to the message of his grace. I prayed for forgiveness, and I entered into relationship with him. And I began tentatively a prayer life where I prayed to him, but then I started to understand that he also wanted to speak to me. And I, I also began to understand as daunting and as surprising as it was that he wanted to be involved in my everyday life, that he actually wanted to work in me and through me, that in spite of my brokenness, he actually wanted to use me and he wanted me to engage in a process of trusting him and seeing him come through for me. I've got to tell you, it has been such an incredible journey. Uh, you know, I remember the very first time praying personally for a sick person and seeing them get healed, and just that sense of wonder that I was involved in what God was doing. Remember the first time leading someone to faith in Jesus, where I, I had a friend and I, I asked him if he wanted to become a Christian. He said yes, and then I was like, I don't know what to do now. And just somehow making up this prayer for him to pray, and we somehow got through and he crossed over the line. I remember sensing God speaking to me in a service about a, somebody that was there, or probably what we would understand, those of us that understand the gifts of the Spirit, to be a word of knowledge, and, and standing there thinking, I, I don't know if this is right, and my heart was thumping in my chest of this sense, I've got to go and do something. I'm trying to resist it in case I got it wrong, and I was just resisting and resisting, and my heart's thumping stronger and stronger. I wasn't really nervous. I wasn't out of breath. There was a sense of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I, I made my way forward, and I spoke to the leader of the meeting. I said, look, I'm just sensing this. And he, he got me to share what I was sensing and then did a terrifying thing by saying, well, who is that? And, and I was saying, no, 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 just, just leave it out there in the ether. You know, maybe there's somebody here. And he said, who is that? And uh, this, this guy put his hand up and made his way forward, broke down in tears. And I, just, just this incredible joy. I say, I don't think there's been anything more exhilarating in my life than knowing that little humble, grotty me could be used by Almighty God, that he wants to use me. And I want to tell you, he wants to use you. If you've not stepped out in faith, if you've not trusted him, trust him. He wants to use you. It's not about you being worthy. It's about his grace and his goodness. But I also began to quickly realize God didn't want me to just experience these things as a one-off so I could tick them off. So I could say, yeah, word of knowledge, check. Uh, yeah, healing, check. But actually, he wanted me enter, to enter into an ongoing journey of faith. I don't know about you, but I found when I really step out and trust God in some way that is audacious, it's a bit scary. Hello? And can anyone resonate with that? It's like a catch-22. If you don't find it scary, well, just get on with it. If you do find it scary, you're normal. And so it's like, well, you've got to do it anyway. But here's the strange thing, that when you step out and trust God, and, and you see him come through for you, which you always do, the next time, even though it might be a little bit easier, it's not become easy. I remember seeing a guy do, like he was on his 200th bungee jump, but he said, every time I get to the ledge, I don't want to jump off. I've done 200. I know that the rope holds. I know that this works. But every time, something in me doesn't want to jump off. And I think it can be a bit like that with the journey of faith. 
up to here in Luke's account, Jesus has been the one doing miracles. And then in chapter 9, he sends them out empowered, authorized. He sends them out completely dependent on God. Do you notice that? He says, take nothing, not your staff, not your bag, no food, no money, no spare clothes. Why? Why do you think he, he says take nothing? I think it's to put them in this complete dependency on God. You know, nothing gets you on your knees more than, than desperately needing God to come through. I think they go out, they've got nothing. They have to be in this place of intimate prayer with God because they're going to turn up in a village. They don't know if they've got anything to eat. They don't know if they've got anywhere to stay. They'll be praying, oh God, would you, would you open someone's heart that they might have a stay tonight? That place of prayer, and out of that place of dependency, he knows then that actually as they step out in faith, that God is going to come through for them. It's part of their journey of faith. He doesn't want them to trust in their good planning. Since they came back, can you imagine the catch-up meeting? What happened with you? I can't believe it. This was awesome. Wow. But then in the very next situation, they're in this, this great need. Immediately, it seems to me that they reverted to chapter 8 thinking. It's like we're looking at the crowd, and instead of thinking, while we were in the villages, we saw God do awesome things, they're thinking, we, we, need, to, we need to call a, a time on this thing. We need to let people go. There's, there's no thought that actually God is going to do something. No one is thinking, remember what happened in the villagers when we saw the power of God. Well, no one except Jesus. And I must think it, it must have been a bit awkward. You know, can you imagine them starting to talk among themselves like he's still going? It's like it's getting late. We're in a remote place. And I, I can imagine them saying, you, you say something. You, no, you say something. You know, they probably pushed Peter forward. So Peter goes, oh, uh, oh excuse me, uh, uh, Jesus. Any chance of a quick word? He said, uh, oh, by the way, preaching is amazing. You're like, this, just so good. This is so good today. So it's just some of the guys are like saying, I don't know if you've noticed, but like the light's dropping. It's kind of, there's a lot of people. We're in a remote place. I, I think we ought to think about winding this thing up. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you, you give them something to eat. Now, I think, I mean, honestly, I think this must have been, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I think this must have been sarcastic. You know, do you want us to go and buy food? I mean, listen, like, let's say there's 20,000 people there with women and children. Do you, do you want us, shall we, go, shall we go buy dinner? I mean, listen, who, who's fed 20,000 people? We're about to, we're about, by the grace of God, next Saturday, to, to put 20,000 meals together. So we'll see what it takes to put 20,000. Let me tell you, it's going to take about 60 to 100 of us, and it's going to take pallets, and it's going to take lorries. And they're like, should we go buy it? I think it's like, I think what they're saying is, it's not possible. But you know what? I think Jesus is saying, actually, it is possible. Actually, it is possible. He's preparing them for the time when he's going to go to the Father and he's going to leave them and he needs them to be ready to trust him and to keep trusting him, to keep seeing that God is able to continue to work miracles through them. I think he's moving them. And firstly, I think he was moving them from periodic dependency to permanent dependency. He was trying to move them from periodic, these moments of trust, to a lifestyle of trust. Moving them from periodic dependency to permanent dependency. He didn't send them out to have an experience and come back and go, yeah, we did it. We, we felt it. We notched it up. We got the t-shirt. 
miracle worker, did it. You know, some of us like, miracle worker, 1986, you know, God, I did it. Back then, back in the day. I know lots of you weren't born 1986, but it's like, you, you know, it's not what he's doing. They didn't realize the village's mission was just the beginning of a life of faith. The dependence he forced them into in verse 3, take nothing for the journey, he wanted them to embrace as a way of life and thinking. And sometimes in our lives, you know, we're, we're forced to trust God, aren't we, for something. The, something happens and we're on our knees daily. God, will you come through for us? Some of the things happen and we're, we're crying out to God day and night and God comes through and we get to the end of it. And you know what most of us do? We say, oh, thank God that's over. We don't say, I have learned something here. I'm going to stay on my knees. But I think he's trying to move them from this periodic sense of, I once trusted God and he came through to I'm going to continue to walk in this. You know, sometimes we can just experience the goodness of God and we can step out, have that experience. And it's like algebra. It's like something you do and then you never do again. Right? I don't know. Maybe some of you do algebra. Most of us, we are forced to do algebra. You sit an exam, you get the certificate, and then who's ever done simultaneous equations post-school? Okay, there are a few. Uh, can we have a round of applause to our mathematicians here in the room? But, you know, for most of us, it's like, yes, I, I did that because I was told it's really, really important to get your maths GCSE. Uh, but actually, but Jesus comes and he doesn't put us into these positions where we trust him that we can, we can say, yes, that once happened to me. But actually, and I think here in chapter 9, when they're faced with this crowd, he's saying to them, do you not remember what happened in the villages? Do you not remember that I want to do awesome things through you? My friends, faith matters to God. Jesus is amazed by only two things in the Gospels. One is the unbelief of the disciples, and the other is the faith of the centurion. The only two times Jesus was amazed by anything, and they both relate to faith. Faith and lack of faith. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. And yet how often we step out in faith, and it's like we want to be to retreat to not doing that again. Whereas God is saying, look what I have put through your hands. Like, I want to keep working in this way. And this is really important for us because the last few years, it's been a miracle season in the life of the church. The putting up of this building, the, the clearing of the mortgage, the, the being able to, to get, get the car park, access for the car park. So we've been around for these stories. Let me not retell them all again today. But we've been on a journey of faith. But what we mustn't do, church, what I believe we mustn't do is have that in our history where we say between, between 2010 and 2020, there was an incredible season of miracles at CLM. And we keep telling those stories, but we have to say, Lord, here we are. You've shown us that you're faithful. Here we are. Uh, would you keep doing amazing things in us and through us? Because I believe he wants to. And I believe he wants to move us from periodic faith to permanent faith. Secondly, I think he was moving them from expecting... That this is a long bullet, so forgive me. Uh, he was moving them from expecting him to work through his hands to expecting him to work through their hands. That's a long bullet, isn't it? Expecting him to work through his hands, but I couldn't, I couldn't say it properly any shorter, to expecting him to work through their hands. 
Now, I think it, in, in the start of Luke 9, they'd see Jesus work through his own hands. He's the one. He's the miracle worker. And then he puts a miracle through their hands when they go to the villagers. And then they've got this crowd of 5,000. And then he says, you give them something to eat. He's trying to move them to a place of saying, I want to put miracles through your hands. And if you see the progression, what happens in the next chapter, actually there's a, there's a demonized boy that's brought to Jesus because they say, your disciples couldn't do it. Now, okay, that, that didn't work, but it does tell us that they were hands-on in ministry as well as Jesus. They were learning how to do it, and it didn't all work, but they're, they're hands-on, it's not just Jesus. Later in the next chapter as well, the 12 go out again with another 60, the sending out of the 72. He's preparing from the time when he's going to ascend to the Father, and he needs them to be ready, not to say, well, Jesus isn't here now, but to say, here we are, Lord. Here we are. It's always God. It's always God at work. It's always him, though. If someone gets saved, it's God. If someone gets healed, it's God. If some people get helped because the church rose up in action, it's the inspiration and provocation of the Holy Spirit, the love of Jesus at work in his people. It's always going to be God. But I wonder if they wanted Jesus to do the miracles. It was kind of exciting going to the villagers, but it was also scary. It was a bit demanding. Why don't you just do it? You're like, you're, I mean, you know, you are God. I think it's just better when you do it. Jesus says, no, you do it. You, you give them something to eat. Now, he's kind because he says, get them in 50s. And he, he takes the five loaves and the two fish and he breaks them and he prays and he gives thanks and, and he passes it to them and they distribute it. But actually, the miracle does come through their hands. Now, 12 months ago, we, we used that phrase, a miracle through our hands and we look what is being birthed because of the last 12 months. Incredible, a miracle being put through our hands. And I think Jesus is trying to help them move from this expectation that it's going to happen through his hands to an expectation that he's going to work through their hands. Now we pray, don't we? Oh God, move in our city. Oh God, move in our schools. Oh God, move in our universities. And by the way, we must pray prayers like that church. Hello? We must pray. We must be a praying church. We must pray for God to move. And by the way, please do come next Sunday night. City Praise and Prayer, the gathering of Christians from across the city to call out to God together. I do believe it's so significant. But we must understand that even when there's a so-called sovereign move of God, he still uses people. The Azusa Street Revival, the Welsh Revival, the Hebridean Revival, whatever revival that you might call a sovereign move of God, he still uses people. Hello? It's his plan. And it's like, I think like they're there, kind of, I mean, maybe they weren't being sarcastic, but it's like they they couldn't have gone and bought, there's there's not even plastic bags in those days. You know, how how do you get food for 20,000 people, even if it's 5,000 people? Who's ever catered for 5,000 people? No one. <laughs> Who's ever catered for 100 people? Right. Like, could, could you have gone and bought that food times, like, times 50 by yourself or, like, or even with 10 friends? It's like, no, we couldn't have done it. And I think what they're saying is it's not possible. But Jesus is saying, oh, oh it is, it is possible. Oh, it is possible, because nothing is impossible with God. But I'm going to need your cooperation. Let me say that. I, I think Jesus is saying, oh, it is. 
oh, it is possible, but I'm going to need your cooperation. Now, we've got to understand, he doesn't technically need anything, but I think he chooses to need our cooperation, if you hear me right. It's like he, he chooses to need our cooperation. But actually, he, he doesn't need us, but he wants to use us. He wants us to be involved. He wants our hands on the miracle. I think it's really important we pray for our, our city. Oh, God, would you transform our city? And yet we have to understand, we have to be ready to be the answer. Because I believe he wants to answer those prayers more than we've ever wanted to pray those prayers. And yet, uh, if he's going to transform the city, guess what? He's going to do it through our hands. Three years ago or so, some of you would have been around, remember the higher tour. The message trust came down from Manchester with bands, and, and we worked so hard in the, the 12 months uh, before that, trying to connect with schools and get into schools. And they came down and had these mission weeks in 10 of our secondary schools, reached over 6,000 people. We saw 257 responses to the gospel here in Coventry. But then my heart broke because we had this kind of wrap-up meeting. They were about to go back to Manchester, and the reality was there was all Almost no existing schools work here in the city. And all of these open doors, all of this opportunity. And I thank God that over the last three years, as we've been praying, God has, has risen up the likes of Kieran and Guardian Ballers and John Bernard and Bass. And because of what, what people have done here in the last year, we're able to birth the schools work and, and seek in the next three years. I don't know if we'll do it. There's a lot of hard work ahead of us. We need God to help us. But seven to 10,000 young people, because actually God does want to do a miracle, but he wants to do it through our hands. Yes, amen indeed. I think the disciples had to resist moving from faith back to comfort. Or from faith to unbelief. Or from faith to, to looking at the situation with natural eyes. You know, I think we, we could look and pray for our city, say, God, would you transform our city? And we can look at it and go, but it's not possible. And I think he would say, oh, it is, oh, it is CLM. Oh, it is possible, but I'm going to need your cooperation. Along with the other wonderful and beautiful churches in our city. Finally, he was moving them from thinking it was about them to knowing it was about others. We don't know exactly what's said when the 12 come back, but we do hear what happens when the 72 come back in the next chapter. And it's really interesting what they say. Let me give you a clue. They don't say, oh, it was so beautiful. This woman got healed, and you should have seen the joy in her and her family. They, they don't say there was this little child who was oppressed, and, and, and he got delivered. They don't say there was this whole village received the love of God. They say, even the demons submit to us. And I think what they're saying is, check us out. They're coming back going, wow, we cast out demons in your name. But I think by the time Jesus ascends to the Father and, and they, they look up at the sky and this angel comes and says, what are, you, what are you looking up for? And there's that sense of, well, I'm sorry, we've not experienced this before. The ascension of the Christ. Excuse us. We're, we're actually looking to see if he's going to come back because we're feeling a bit vulnerable. And then they go and they gather the 120 in the upper room and they pray and pray and pray and pray. And they must also have reflected and talked about the situations. And I, I have no doubt that by the time the day of Pentecost comes, they know, they look back and go, it was all about people. 
Look at him. Wherever he went, it was about the people. It says in Matthew's gospel about the feeding of the 5,000. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. And I think they get to this place of knowing it's not about us. It's about others. And actually when the Spirit is poured out upon them in Acts 2, they're going, okay, we've got a world to reach with this love and news that Jesus has given us and entrusted to us. My friends, in this coming 12 months ahead of us, the end of 2021 into 2022, why doesn't the band come and join me? We have so many ministries and mission on the go by the grace of God. Some new partners and new expressions of ministry that, that you'll see in this little booklet. And we also have a sense of the Lord leading us into new areas in the 12 months ahead. And we have that prayerful anticipation, expectation, a sense that he wants to do something relating to the nations, whether that's overseas or whether that's the nations among us. A sense that we have to do something more to reach out among university students. 50,000 undergrads in Cov and Warwick unis. 16,000 postgrads on top of that. 66,000 students on our doorstep. Friends, that's a town. That's bigger than Leamington Spa. That's bigger than the town of Warwick. And, just, and there's a bit we can look and go, well, I, I don't know where to start. And he said, oh, it's possible. I'm just going to need your cooperation. But we have that sense, Lord, it's not about us. It's about others. A sense that we have to advance our mission into spheres of influence. Those of us that work in different spheres of business and healthcare and government and media and arts and education. Go, God, would you help us? We thank God for the incredible organic work that is going on of hundreds of kingdom bringers. But how would you help us take a next step to augment the organic with something organized? There are some other things. Even in the last two weeks, people getting in touch with us. It's amazing what happens when you speak something out. Conversations that feel premature to represent, but a sense of the Lord going, I want to put a miracle through your hands again. Are you ready? Are you available? Will you go from faith to faith? And friends, if we've learned like the disciples, if we listen to him, if we trust him, if we make our lives available, he'll use us. I believe he wants to use us. I believe he wants to use you. Whatever that might look like, because this is the God we serve. Brings his message of grace to a broken world and does it through broken people like you and me. Broken people that are being made whole. Can we stand together and pray? Spoke a couple of weeks ago about the oil of healing and the oil of sending. And I know some of us feel in recovery right now. But I wonder if we can make ourselves available. If your heart cry today would be, Lord, take me from faith to faith. And some of you years ago stepped out in the gifts of the Spirit, spoke powerfully in, in the prophetic, and I, I don't know what's happened, but you lost your voice along the way, and the Spirit of God would come and, and provoke you to stir it up afresh. Stir it up afresh. My friend, don't let that be part of your history. I used to move in these things. Go from faith to faith. Some of us were on a good journey pre-COVID. 
and something happened. We allowed fear to come in. We took a step back. And the Lord would say, would you go from faith to faith? Let me lead you. Put your hand in my hand. If you can say that today, God, help me to go from faith to faith. Why don't you just respond to him where you are? If you're joining us online, you might want to stand. You might want to kneel down. You might want to do something physical as a, as a sense of saying, God, would you take me from faith to faith? Maybe you feel like your faith has waned, but even today, you just sense the gentle blowing of the Holy Spirit drawing you nearer. My son, my daughter, would you come? Would you step out? Trust me afresh. Let me use you afresh. Would you lift up your eyes? Would you make yourself available? So God, we pray. We pray, would you use us? We pray, God. We thank you, Lord, for an incredible season of miracles in this house. We thank you for what you've done, for stories when we share with others that they are, they're amazed so often at what you've done here. But God, don't let this be part of a, a chapter that we look back on, but we fail to live in. Help us to keep living in your supernatural power. Keep working in us and through us. Would you find our hearts tender and available? Would you find courageous faith a part of who we are as a people? Would you take us on, Lord? Would you take us from faith to faith for your glory? Let's sing as the band leaders.